Chapter Twenty Eight of Uncle Silas by Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Eight. I am persuaded. So now at last I had heard the story of Uncle Silas's mysterious disgrace. We sat silent for a while, and I, gazing into vacancy, sent him in a chariot of triumph, chapleted, ringed, and robed through the city of imagination, crying after him, innocent innocent martyr and crowned all the virtues and honesties reason and conscience in myriad shapes tier above tier of human faces from the crowded pavement crowded windows crowded roofs joined in the jubilant acclamation and trumpeters trumpeted and drums rolled and great organs and choirs through open cathedral gates rolled anthems of praise and thanksgiving and the bells rang out and cannons sounded and the air trembled with the roaring harmony and silas ruffin the full-length portrait stood in the burnished chariot with a proud sad clouded face that rejoiced not with the rejoicers and behind him the slave thin as a ghost white-faced and sneering something in his ear while i and all the city went on crying innocent innocent martyr and crowned and now the reverie was ended and there were only lady knollys's stern thoughtful face with the pale light of sarcasm on it and the storm outside thundering and lamenting desolately it was very good of cousin monica to stay with me so long it must have been unspeakably tiresome and now she began to talk of business at home and plainly to prepare for immediate flight and my heart sank i know that i could not then have defined my feelings and agitations i am not sure that i even now could any misgiving about uncle silas was in my mind a questioning the foundation of my faith and in itself an impiety and yet i am not sure that some such misgiving faint perhaps and intermittent may not have been at the bottom of my tribulation i was not very well lady knollys had gone out for a walk she was not easily tired and sometimes made a long excursion the sun was setting now when mary quince brought me a letter which had just arrived by the post my heart throbbed violently i was afraid to break the broad black seal it was from uncle silas i ran over in my mind all the unpleasant mandates which it might contain to try and prepare myself for a shock at last i opened the letter it directed me to hold myself in readiness for the journey to bartram howe it stated that i might bring two maids with me if i wished so many and that his next letter would give me the details of my route and the day of my departure for derbyshire and he said that i ought to make arrangements about knoll during my absence but that he was hardly the person properly to be consulted on that matter then came a prayer that he might be enabled to acquit himself of his trust to the full satisfaction of his conscience and that i might enter upon my new relations in a spirit of prayer i looked round my room so long familiar and now so endeared by the idea of parting and change the old house dear dear knoll how could i leave you and all your affectionate associations and kind looks and voices for a strange land with a great sigh i took uncle silas's letter and went downstairs to the drawing-room from the lobby window where i loitered for a few moments i looked out upon the well-known forest trees the sun was down 
it was already twilight and the white vapours of coming night were already filming their thinned and yellow foliage everything looked melancholy how little did those who envied the young inheritrix of a princely fortune suspect the load that lay at her heart or bating the fear of death how gladly at that moment she would have parted with her life lady knollys had not yet returned and it was darkening rapidly a mass of black clouds stood piled in the west through the chasms of which was still reflected a pale metallic lustre the drawing-room was already very dark but some streaks of this cold light fell upon a black figure which would otherwise have been unseen leaning beside the curtains against the window-frame it advanced abruptly with creaking shoes it was dr bryerly i was startled and surprised not knowing how he had got there i stood staring at him in the dusk rather awkwardly i am afraid how do you do miss ruthyn said he extending his hand long hard and brown as a mummy's and stooping a little so as to approach more nearly for it was not easy to see in the imperfect light you're surprised i dare say to see me here so soon again i did not know you had arrived i am glad to see you dr bryerly nothing unpleasant i hope has happened no nothing unpleasant miss the will has been lodged and we shall have probate in due course but there has been something on my mind and i'm come to ask you two or three questions which you had better answer very considerately is miss knollys still here yes but she is not returned from her walk i am glad she is here i think she takes a sound view and women understand one another better as for me it is plainly my duty to put it before you as it strikes me and to offer all i can do in accomplishing should you wish it a different arrangement you don't know your uncle you said the other day no i've never seen him you understand your late father's intention in making you his ward i suppose he wished to show his high opinion of my uncle's fitness for such a trust that's quite true but the nature of the trust in this instance is extraordinary i don't understand why if you die before you come to the age of twenty-one the entire of the property will go to him do you see and he has the custody of your person in the meantime you are to live in his house under his care and authority you see now i think how it is and i did not like it when your father read the will to me and i said so do you i hesitated to speak not sure that i quite comprehended him and the more i think of it the less i like it miss said dr bryerly in a calm stern tone merciful heaven dr bryerly you can't suppose that i should not be as safe in my uncle's house as in the lord chancellor's i ejaculated looking full in his face but don't you see miss it is not a fair position to put your uncle in replied he after a little hesitation but suppose he does not think so you know if he does he may decline it well that's true but he won't here is his letter and he produced it announcing officially that he means to accept the office but i think he ought to be told it is not delicate under all circumstances you know miss that your uncle mr silas ruthyn was talked about unpleasantly once you mean i began i mean about the death of mr chark at bartram howe yes i have heard that i said 
he was speaking with a shocking aplomb we assume of course unjustly but there are many who think quite differently and possibly dr bryerly it was for that very reason that my dear papa made him my guardian there can be no doubt of that miss it was to purge him of that scandal and when he has acquitted himself honourably of that trust don't you think such a proof of confidence so honourably fulfilled must go far to silence his traducers why if all goes well it may do a little but a great deal less than you fancy but take it that you happen to die miss during your minority we are all mortal and there are three years and some months to go how will it be then don't you see just fancy how people will talk i think you know that my uncle is a religious man said i well miss what of that he asked again he is he has suffered intensely i continued he has long retired from the world he is very religious ask our curate mr fairfield if you doubt it but i am not disputing it miss i am only supposing what may happen an accident we'll call it smallpox diphtheria that's going very much three years and three months you know is a long time you proceed to bartram howe thinking you have much goods laid up for many years but your creator you know may say thou fool this day is thy soul required of thee you go and what pray is thought of your uncle mr silas ruthyn who walks in for the entire inheritance and who has long been abused like a pickpocket or worse in his own county i'm told you are a religious man dr bryerly according to your lights i said the swedenborgian smiled well knowing that he is so too and having yourself experienced the power of religion do you not think him deserving of every confidence don't you think it well that he should have the opportunity of exhibiting both his own character and the reliance which my dear papa reposed on it and that we should leave all consequences and contingencies in the hands of heaven it appears to have been the will of heaven hitherto said dr bryerly i could not see with what expression of face but he was looking down and drawing little diagrams with his stick on the dark carpet and spoke in a very low tone that your uncle should suffer under this ill report in countervailing the appointment of providence we must employ our reason with conscientious diligence as to the means and if we find that they are as likely to do mischief as good we have no right to expect a special interposition to turn our experiment into an ordeal i think you ought to weigh it well i'm sure there are reasons against it if you make up your mind that you would rather be placed under the care say of lady knollys i will endeavour all i can to effect it that could not be done without his consent could it said i no but i don't despair of getting that on terms of course remarked he i don't quite understand i said i mean for instance if he were allowed to keep the allowance for your maintenance eh i mistake my uncle silas very much i said if that allowance is any object whatever to him compared with the moral value of the position if he were deprived of that i am sure he would decline the other we might try him at all events said dr bryerly on whose dark sinewy features even in this imperfect light i thought i detected a smile perhaps said i 
i appear very foolish in supposing him actuated by any but sordid motives but he is my near relation and i can't help it sir that is a very serious thing miss ruthyn he replied you are very young and cannot see it at present as you will hereafter he is very religious you say and all that but his house is not a proper place for you it is a solitude its master an outcast and it has been the repeated scene of all sorts of scandals and of one great crime and lady knollys thinks your having been domesticated there will be an injury to you all the days of your life so i do maud said lady knollys who had just entered the room unperceived how do you do dr bryerly a serious injury you have no idea how entirely that house is condemned and avoided and the very name of its inmates tabooed how monstrous how cruel i exclaimed very unpleasant my dear but perfectly natural you are to recollect that quite independently of the story of mr chark the house was talked about and the county people had cut your uncle silas long before that adventure was dreamed of and as to the circumstance of your being placed in his charge by his brother who took from strong family feeling a totally one-sided view of the affair from the first having the slightest effect in restoring his position in the county you must quite give that up except me if he will allow me and the clergyman not a soul in the country will visit at bartram howe they may pity you and think the whole thing a climax of folly and cruelty but they won't visit at bartram or know silas or have anything to do with his household they will see at all events what my dear papa's opinion was they know that already answered she and it has not and ought not to have the slightest weight with them there are people there who think themselves just as great as the ruffins or greater and your poor father's idea of carrying it by a demonstration was simply the dream of a man who had forgotten the world and learned to exaggerate himself in his long seclusion i know he was beginning himself to hesitate and i think if he had been spared another year that provision of his will would have been struck out dr bryerly nodded and he said and if he had the power to dictate now would he insist on that direction it is a mistake every way injurious to you his child and should you happen to die during your sojourn under your uncle's care it would woefully defeat the testator's object and raise such a storm of surmise and inquiry as would awaken all england and send the old scandal on the wing through the world again dr bryerly will i have no doubt arrange it all in fact i do not think it would be very difficult to bring silas to terms and if you do not consent to his trying maud mark my words you will live to repent it here were two persons viewing the question from totally different points both perfectly disinterested both in their different ways i believe shrewd and even wise and both honourable urging me against it and in a way that undefinably alarmed my imagination as well as moved my reason i looked from one to the other there was a silence by this time the candles had come and we could see one another i only wait your decision miss ruffin said the trustee to see your uncle if his advantage was the chief object contemplated in this arrangement he will be the best judge whether his interest is really best consulted by it or no and i think he will clearly see that it is not so and will answer accordingly 
i cannot answer now you must allow me to think it over i will do my best i am very much obliged my dear cousin monica you are so very good and you too dr bryerly dr bryerly by this time was looking into his pocket-book and did not acknowledge my thanks even by a nod i must be in london the day after to-morrow bartram howe is nearly sixty miles from here and only twenty of that by rail i find forty miles of posting over those derbyshire mountains is slow work but if you say try i'll see him to-morrow morning you must say try you must my dear maud but how can i decide in a moment oh dear cousin monica i am so distracted but you need not decide at all the decision rests with him come he is more competent than you you must say yes again i looked from her to dr bryerly and from him to her again i threw my arms about her neck and hugging her closely to me i cried oh cousin monica dear cousin monica advise me i am a wretched creature you must advise me i did not know till now how irresolute a character was mine i knew somehow by the tone of her voice that she was smiling as she answered why dear i have advised you i do advise you and then she added impetuously i entreat and implore if you really think i love you that you will follow my advice it is your duty to leave your uncle silas whom you believe to be more competent than you are to decide after full conference with dr bryerly who knows more of your poor father's views and intentions in making that appointment than either you or i shall i say yes i cried drawing her close and kissing her helplessly oh tell me tell me to say yes yes of course yes she agrees dr bryerly to your kind proposal i am to understand so he asked very well yes dr bryerly i replied you have resolved wisely and well said he briskly like a man who has got a care off his mind i forgot to say dr bryerly it was very rude that you must stay here to-night he can't my dear interposed lady knollys it is a long way he will dine won't you dr bryerly no he can't you know you can't sir said my cousin peremptorily you must not worry him my dear with civilities he can't accept he'll bid us good-bye this moment good-bye dr bryerly you'll write immediately don't wait till you reach town bid him good-bye maud i'll say a word to you in the hall and thus she literally hurried him out of the room leaving me in a state of amazement and confusion not able to review my decision unsatisfied but still unable to recall it i stood where they had left me looking after them i suppose like a fool lady knollys returned in a few minutes if i had been a little cooler i was shrewd enough to perceive that she had sent poor dr bryerly away upon his travels to find board and lodging halfway to bartram to remove him forthwith from my presence and thus to make my decision if mine it was irrevocable i applaud you my dear said cousin knollys in her turn embracing me heartily you are a sensible little darling and have done exactly what you ought to have done i hope i have i faltered hope fiddle stuff the thing's as plain as a pike-staff and in came branston to say that dinner was served End of chapter twenty eight